Go. Hi, guys. Welcome to the first episode of the podcast, Thinking Out Loud. I am joined by my co-host, Eric, and my name is Evan. I will be the host. On this podcast episode, we'll be talking about who we are, what our goals are, and then we'll get into some other stuff later in the episode. This podcast is a platform for us to express our thoughts about the world and our lives in general. So without wasting any more time, let's get into it. So, my name is Evan. I'm currently a junior in college, and I'm studying uh, business administration with knife facts and economics. Um, Eric, do you want to say a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm Eric. Um, I'm currently a freshman at Pennsylvania Technology of Techno- Pennsylvania College of Technology. Um, right now, I'm undecided, um, but I'm looking into the trades, either plumbing, HVAC, something along those lines. Um, and yeah. So a little bit more about me um, and some of the goals I have. So currently, it's the beginning of my junior year. Um, I will be graduating in May of 2022. And after that, um, I plan on going to graduate school. Where? I'm not sure yet, but that's definitely a goal of mine. Um, really, I don't really know what I want to do with my career. I just know that I want to keep my options open for the future. Um, yeah, so um, that's pretty much it now. During college, um, on the soccer team here, I'm a part of a class. Um, I'm a class officer here. I'm a peer tutor, and I work with the athletic training too, so keep myself pretty busy. Um, how about you, Eric? Um, I'm, I'm a freshman here. Me and Evan are the same age. I took two years off. That's a long story. Don't want to get into it. Um, but yeah, I'm just starting college again. This is my first semester here. Um, I don't know how long I'm going to be here for, two, three, four years, something along those lines. Um, I haven't really gotten involved in much here yet. There's some concrete club that I might do, but other than that, I'm just kind of chilling for now. Just trying to Get good grades. Um, career-wise, I uh, like, uh, like I don't even know what my major is yet, so it's a uh, it's wide open at this point. I have no idea what I'm gonna do. Yeah, so as you guys can see, Eric and I are the same age. Um, he took a little bit of a different path. I mean, it's fine. Everyone has their own path in life, and um, it, as long as you figure out what you want to do and have and. And, and am okay with that yourself. It's really fine. There's really no pressure on either going the traditional route or finding a different route. Like you're yeah, um, you, you just on – on that, you just need to do whatever makes you happiest. Um, you need to do whatever feels right, you, and you need to do what's best for yourself. Don't do what's best for your parents. Don't do what's best for whoever might be important in life. You have to focus on you. At the age we are, we're both 20. Um, you got to focus on yourself. You have to put yourself first. And you, you need to do what's best for your future. Nobody's looking out for you except for you. Just remember that. Yeah, and going off of that, don't feel pressured by other people making decisions because at the end of the day, when you're in high school and a senior trying to figure out what college you're going to or what trade you want to go to or what job you want to go into, everyone says they're going to do something, but they're really not going to do that in the end. Um, what they say they're going to do is they're going to think past five different times before they actually get to the final destination. And for all you know, they may have picked something they don't like it, so don't really feel the pressure about anyone else's decision except yourself. Um, so that was our little spiel about college. <laughs> and um, so let's uh, get into our first topic, which um, 
I'd like to talk about uh, my YouTube channel. So, as you guys will find out, I have a dying YouTube channel. But um, I, I mean, I never—I'm not sure it was ever like it was ever alive. No, you can't call it dying. I, but that's why I want to talk about it a little bit. So, about why I started my YouTube channel. Um, you guys may know that you vlogger David Dobrik. So what I wanted to do was, I really like his style, so I wanted to try to replicate something along what he does to just try to capture moments with my friends since I have a really fun friend group I like I have around me. So I try to capture those moments, but as I found out that um, it's really hard to do when you're a full-time college student, have job, part-time jobs in between that. and There's not much time for other stuff, though. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I can't disagree. I mean, it's something I still really like to do. Like, I enjoy filming, editing. Like, that stuff is all really fun. And, like, when we do have time to sit down as a group and, like, vlog, stuff like that, it's really fun. Um, as my last two vlogs ago, where we did the pepper. Or don't, even pepper. Remind, don't even remind me of that. Yeah, that was really fun. Like, stuff like that is, like, why I got into vlogging, because just those different activities and stuff that they have with their friends is really fun. But, like, I think people underestimate how hard it is to actually vlog and stay consistent with it. Um, I think everything in that, like, social, like, social media realm, like, YouTube, um, being, like, a social media influencer, like, on Instagram, uh, like, a TikToker, like, it seems easy to do, but it's, like, that's one in a million. Pro- yeah. Probably more than that. Like, you have to work your ass off to be it, and you still have to get extremely lucky. Yeah, and I think people think of it as a lesser job just because they're not going to college and going the traditional route, but staying committed to that, it's, like, really something that's undervalued in society. Like, staying committed and keeping up and not getting trained from it because it's a 24-7 process is just really impressive. You don't really get the experience that until you actually try to like step into that atmosphere so um yeah and that on top of not having really the time to do it um i would say that um just youtube itself the platform it's great i love the watching videos i'm on every day but it's really not um conducive to creators since it's so hard to get monetized, not that my goal was to get monetized, but um, with the ad apocalypse where they start pulling ads from different things, if they have all these criteria, it's just really hard for anyone to get monetized in that area. So I'm on top of how hard it is to get monetized and gain followers. It's just a lot. Yeah. So I know YouTubers like. The ones I like, the one like I watch a couple two K YouTubers. They talk about how they're up like they're at their computer for like sixteen to eighteen hours a day. Like that's all yeah. they do. Yeah. And so that and so, so if you think you about got, that, and you're looking at sixteen hours a day, probably like six days a week. I, I can't do that math that quick. I'm not really. That's what's called ninety six hours a week. Yeah. And then they probably get less respect than somebody who's working forty hours a week. Actually, yeah. That's ridiculous. The thing is, those people are dedicated to their jobs. It's like, as I said before, 24-7 thing. Um, It's literally after you figure out, like, a few good ideas, there's only so many good ideas out there. 
really got to be creative. Mm-hmm. Got to figure out your own way to uh, make a name for yourself in that industry. But yeah, so that's a little bit about my YouTube history. And um, although, as I said, I had a lot of complaints about it, I still really like doing it. Um, I still plan on doing it. So if you're uh, listening to this and don't subscribe to me already, search up Evan Carr on YouTube. It should be one of the first ones that pop up. Um, and yeah, appreciate any of the support that I can get. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about why we created this podcast. So we had a podcast before with me and Eric and one of our other friends named Sean about sports, which we're all pretty passionate about sports and are knowledgeable on most sports. Mm -hmm. But I would just say the, the time, the time available in our schedules and just us going out to college, it's just really hard to get a podcast, sit down and, really hone one out. What do you think? Um, I mean, it was tough. When we were home, we were able to do it. Um, but like like you said, we tried like at the end of the summer last year. So we did like yeah. two episodes and then we get, went to school and then we were like, oh, let's just do it online. We'll do it over Skype or whatever. And we just like never got to it because we were all so busy. I was working full time. You guys were all full time school, all, t- all full time students. Um. I think it's just another one of those like social media influencer things. It's just hard to stick to that schedule. Yeah. Especially when, yeah. especially when you're at like our level, like you're low, we're not making money. Um, so it's hard to like stick to something that there's not really like any. Incentive yeah. Really keep doing. I mean, besides us having fun doing it, enjoy doing it, mm-hmm. there's really no other incentive. Yeah. Outside right. of that. Anyway. Like, if you look at the Joe Rogan podcast or any of those big ones, those guys, they have, that's basically their career. They sit down, have people set everything up, do everything for them. And then it's kind of not easy for them, but it's just a lot more organized. And yeah. they, that's their job. So they have to do it. But um, for this podcast, we really, I really, um, me and Eric just wanted to create a platform where it's a little more serious than the sports co- podcast that, talks about some of the issues that we think need to be talked about from our point of view. We're in college, we're young. We have different thoughts than, say, the people we see on TV talking about it or the people that we read articles from. So I just think that a podcast is a good form just for anyone to listen to if they want. Um, they'll listen to different events that we, that happen out in the world, yeah. especially days. Would you, would you consider us, would we want to do, like, a political podcast, or would you consider it more like, I don't even know what I would consider it. I don't consider it or political. I would say more like a social, uh, social, not social issues, but I think definitely the majority of our topics would be surrounded by social issues. Yeah. Because we wouldn't, I don't think necessarily we'll look at it from a political view, since it's not really super know that much about politics or super into it yeah but i would say there's definitely a lot of social issues i'm sure we'll mention politics it'll come up just because if we're talking about like important social issues that is part of politics to some extent but don't, yeah don't, don't, i mean don't podcast and social issues do cross each other yeah so with that being said let's go into our main topic for today um 
the NBA lockout, or not lockout, the NBA players holding out after recent recent events regarding the um, recent events regarding the unequal treatment of F and black people. So let's get your reactions, your thoughts about what do you think about the players holding out? Um, well, I think first, if we're, if we're going to talk about this, what's it called? This specific event, we should probably talk about what kind of made it happen, and that's the shooting of Jacob Blake. Um, I, I I know some of the details. I'm I've read into it a little bit, um, and a lot of what I've heard, um, a lot of people's arguments as to why it's not really police brutality is because you shouldn't disobey the cops, like you should comply with the cops' orders and stuff. But if you look at that, if you look at that video, he spends probably what eight seconds walking around the car without anything in his hands. Yeah. Um, and who knows how long it was going on before that. Yeah. Um, people saying you should just comply with the cops. A hundred percent. You should do exactly what the cop says, no matter who you are, no matter what age you are, no matter what ethnicity you are. You should do as the cop says. But if the cops aren't trained. And the cops don't take the initiative to take that man to take Jacob Blake. Let's put it in this situation. You have to you have to restrain him before you have to before you get to the point where you're in danger as a cop. Yeah, that's where I think they like that's where I think the discrepancy is because people are saying, "Oh, he didn't comply. He didn't comply. Like he didn't. I will admit that, but they had a lot of time." To restrain him, taser him, put him in handcuffs, pepper spray him, do whatever they could. Yeah. It didn't have to get to the point where they shot him seven times in the back. Yeah, definitely. The yeah, so especially your you cops shouldn't be the first action of disobedience shouldn't be. Yeah, it doesn't matter what color you are, what gender, what whatever who you are. You. Should, you only should shoot someone if it's like you're exchanging fires with other people in your life or footer, which isn't obviously the case. Yes. Um, yeah, so I think I can't speak for all America, but I think also one of the big things about this was the fact that he got shot seven times. Yeah, that was I mean, that was pretty excessive. One time. If you shoot anyone on the planet, I don't care who you are, one time, and they're going to stop. They're going to start obeying or yeah, that's what I mean. What they're doing. So, but but it shouldn't even saying, it shouldn't even get to the point. Yeah, where he actually pulls gun out. Yeah, just shooting the person seven times is just adding salt on the wood. Like, yeah, there's no reason for someone to get shooting seven times, and I think there's a general. What, whatever I always stand on, left or right, Democrat or Republican, I think there's a general consensus among Americans. There needs to be some sort of change within the culture of police departments. Yeah. Um, now, there's definitely a bunch of people out there who are a lot more educated than us. Yes, 100%. About this topic, though, if we misspeak or anything, don't kill us for it. Just try to educate us on how we could have been better for next time. But, that being said, that um, there's obviously there needs to be a systematic change within the police 
the park. And um, this event, along with this, so many others before, they just highlighted this. And then it's just so unfortunate that it keeps happening. happening. Not to say nothing gets done, but I think the system in place, it's just, it takes so long for radical. Yeah. What, what I've kind of, what I've been saying, especially since this has been so prominent in the what's called, in the news today and whatever, is that cops, like, they aren't, there are some bad cops, like, people-wise, but there aren't that many bad people who work as cops. Cops, like, a cop is a, is, is a, I don't even know how to word this. It's like, it's just not a good job. They're asked to do too much. And they're not trained. Too much responsibilities put on their shoulders. Yeah, and they're not trained anywhere near enough. Like if you look at other countries, they're trained for three, four years. In America, our cops are out on the streets in eight months. Yeah, like that's a huge difference. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's part of I think the systematic change that just needs to be needs to be put in place. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just no reason that it takes eight months whatever short amount of time to put someone on the street with the gun who has basically the full authority to pull it any time, pull the trigger any time they feel like they're in somewhat any danger. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you said something about the good and bad cops. Like, yes, of course, there's good and bad people in any aspect of life. Mm-hmm. Whether you go at a nine-to-five desk job or you go to college or you go to any elementary school, there's always going to be people who you view as better, people you view as worse. Yeah. But... Um, I think that when we look at cops, not to they're obviously not plane drivers, but we don't look at plane drivers and say, oh, he was just one bad plane driver, because if that happens, you crash the plane and they're all dead. Yeah. I was going to get into what's called that when someone does apply for the police academy, I don't know how, like, in-depth their, um, their, like, Back, back, background history check is or whatever, um, but whatever it is, it should be a bit better in my opinion, because there are some you know I'm, I'll say flat out racists who are yeah. like they're in our own town. The police chief was a terrible racist. Yeah, like there just has to be a bit more research into these people because yeah. the, I mean these are these are the people with guns who can shoot whenever they want really. Um, and especially in recent history with African Americans, they're not they're not really punished. They haven't been punished. Um, so I just think I just think there has to be a big change within the police. Just police across America. Yeah. So with this being said about change, we can get into a little bit more about one of I guess the story that the headline that dominated the news within this past week, which was the NBA players holding out of their playoff games, which led to soccer games being canceled, baseball games being canceled, and a bunch of other trickle-down effects. Um, which these, what started with the play, with the Milwaukee Bucks who was playing their games, they were calling for more change from the whole NBA as a whole mm-hmm. and uh, on to the shooting. So what was your, uh, what was your um, uh, response or I'll say like my like my first reaction. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm with them. I, I'm I'm 100. I I stand behind the NBA. Um. These people, 
You look at people like LeBron James, um, Giannis, Chris Paul. They have so much voice. So many people hear them and have respect for them and listen to them. If like, like they need to talk about what they need to talk about. Like they need to talk about the issues. Because if they don't, they're, they're some of the most popular people in the world. Not in the country, not in like their city, but the world. Um, so if they don't talk about these problems that they feel that they feel so strongly about, then no, then nobody will, and no change yeah. will ever be made. Yeah. Um, going off that, I think that these players down in um, Orlando, where they are now in their bubble, that yes, it's not on them to bring change because obviously. We're not saying that every athlete needs to be a political spokesperson. Yeah, they're, like they're not the ones writing the laws. Like they, they can only they can only go so far. But I think they, along with bringing awareness, I think a lot of it had to do with them going down there and not knowing the next steps mm-hmm. for how they were going to help and put more action to obviously disconnect between the police, African-Americans, and everything involved. I think they went down there. They will, Obviously, they wanted to bring attention, which is great. You need attention. Every every issue needs attention, and that's the only way it's going to be tough without criminal change. But I also think what they forgot in bringing attention was they needed to put some action, have a plan of action in place, put something where they said, once we bring attention, everyone knows this is an issue. We need to then do something about it because, as you said, those are the people who have the power. They can call. They can get whoever's attention from Washington, get whoever's attention in any city. If they speak loud enough, and they can bring unreal action that many of this, many of our other citizens just simply don't have the power or influence to do. Yeah, I was like with the whole Black Lives Matter thing. Like, I love the protests. I love, you know, I love, I love kind of where they're going, but they're not, they're not like causing real change. They're just kind of saying like, oh, this is a problem. You need to listen to it. They're bringing awareness. Yeah. Bringing awareness to it. Um, and yeah. I, I, I don't know how they would bring real change, um, how this movement would bring real change. Um, but I think that's kind of the next step that they have to get to. Yeah. So, obviously, with change, you can vote. Mm-hmm. That's probably the biggest thing as a citizen. That's your kind of duty as a citizen to vote. Um, especially if you're in a state that you don't like their, you don't like who your elected people are or what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, go out and vote. That's the biggest thing. But I think also one of the biggest things is that we all hear about people telling us to vote. I just think that some people got frustrated because voting in and out officials is a really long process. Change doesn't happen overnight. Mm. So I think that's also one of the things that happened in the bubble. Just the players in general, they're saying, yeah, vote. We need to get out and vote. Tell your friends to vote, whatever. But that change can only happen so fast that there obviously needs to be a little, it needs to be sped up and have more radical change within. The police departments and then just how America views uh, black people in general. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. 
Yeah, so that's, I think, one of the things that um, they talked about in resuming play, agreeing to resume play, they talked about um, different social justice featuring representative on players, coaches, and team owners that will work on increased voting access, promoting civic engagement, and advocating for meaningful police and criminal justice. So these owners of the teams are some of the most powerful people in the world. They have meetings with Donald Trump, the president. They have meetings with other politicians. They're probably all part of um, lobbying groups or at least contribute to them. So, um, yeah, I think they really have the power to to um, help move the needle on this issue in the country as it's something that has been going on since um, the start of the country, really. I mean, it's been going on long before then, but... Yeah, I mean, if you just think about our country was founded on kicking out minorities yeah. and claiming it our own land. It has continued for the last however many years. Yeah. Um, so, I think it's great that the players are taking action and seeing that there needs to be more than awareness going on. I just hope that going into the uh, coming months, weeks, days, that the same um, energy and movement and compassion keeps going towards this uh, fixing this inequality in America. What do you What do you think the kind of like the next steps are for the NBA? Because the NBA is obviously, you know, they do have a voice. They're one of the biggest organizations in the country. They're one of the most watched sports, most popular athletes, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, what do you, what, where do you think they should go from here? Um, that's a great question. So, as I said, the action needs to take place. I think they're registering all players to vote. Um, honestly, I really don't know. If there was a blueprint to follow, I th- it would have already been done, mm-hmm. hopefully a long time ago. But um, I don't know. I, I was When preparing for this podcast, I was thinking about um, – a few years ago, I maybe been more than a few years ago at this point, um, when the whole um, guns guns controversy, where a lot of people wanted to ban ARs mm-hmm. and assault rifles and all those things. Obviously, um, with the school shootings and everything that happened, America was only one of the was one of the countries it was the country with the highest like deaths from automatic weapons. Um, we saw the march for our lives and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. that happened that brought awareness just it was so hard to bring on action to to the problem the action to fix the problem um i think i saw a statistic where it said 98 percent of americans agreed that there should be total gun restrictions people should have ARs, but then still here we are years later not much has gotten done so mm-hmm. it's just changes of this big and this magnitude they're really hard to get out and get it going. So really the first step is vote, but I think they need to be patient in how they, how their plan of action, because it's not going to all come at once. It has to be a continued sustained effort from everyone involved to get some systematic change. Yeah, definitely. I definitely want to say like, just vote. I don't really care who you vote for. But vote, make your voice heard, exercise your right to vote, and just don't like 
don't not care what happens. Like everybody should care about what happens in politics. Everybody should under, understand at least a little bit of it, you know? Yeah. And like you said, you should care because if you go complain, oh, I don't like this, I don't like that, that's on you. Like even having your mayors, it doesn't have to be senators and the president mayors, your uh, local congressman, your state assembly, man, all those people actually matter. And you need to vote the right people in. I don't, I'm not going to be political and say that you need to vote this way or that way, but um, you need to vote. You need to hold these elected officials accountable. Um, it basically is an email, phone call, or whatever to your elected officials to, to get in contact, make sure they are holding what they really want accountable. So it's just things like that people need to do in order to make sure that actual change is happening. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, we're going to take a quick ad break. Ad will come on. We'll be right back. Um, and when we come back, we'll wrap up the show. we got probably five, ten minutes left. Um, and just kind of adding on to what we've been talking about, these players, these, the NBA players, um, they're so passionate about the BLM movement, the injustice in the police system, they're, they're very passionate. Um, if you saw Jamal Murray's post-game interview a couple nights ago, I mean, it took, like, it hit me. Like, it, like, I felt it. I felt the passion. I felt the hurt. I felt the pain. Um, and I just kind of want to get your take on, like, just how passionate players are in the NBA and maybe other leagues, too. Yeah. So definitely Jamal Murray's um, interview, it was raw, emotional, it was um, honest, it was truthful. Um, just other, I think a lot of times we look at athletes and see that they're on TV, we watch them, not that they're, not that they're like, I don't know how to explain this without making it offensive, but they're more than just people that we watch and entertain. They're more than just entertainers. Um, they're, um, they're people who have real life problems too. So seeing all the reactions and people like Greg Popovich, um, Doc Rivers, obviously LeBron, CP3, his interview the other night, Jamal Murray. Um, these things, the movement and fixing America means a lot to them. And even though we may not look at them as the most educational people, which or a lot of times wrong because some of these guys, or most of these guys, not all of them are really smart. Um, they all care about this, and I think it's great that there's such a um, wide conviction among all the NBA players that change needs to happen. And I think that only can create good for the rest of America since these are people, little kids, and even people my age look up to. So if we look up to them, they're wanting change, inspiring change, I think it only can have a better trickle-down effect to the rest of the country and help move the needle on this issue. Um, there's what, like, I want to bring up Myers Leonard. Because um, when the whole when this whole thing started, first started, every, like all of the NBA players were kneeling. Um, there were a couple other. Who else? It was Jonathan Isaac as well who stood. Yeah, Jonathan Isaac um, Jonathan Isaac and Myers Leonard. I think there might have been a few other players. Um, I just want to say I have nothing but respect for them. Um, if that that's what they believe in, I'm 100 percent 
with them. I understand their point. Um, and I'm a hundred percent, like I said, I'm a hundred percent with them. It is so hard to like be that person to go against the curve, I guess. Like Colin Kaepernick kneeling while everyone else is standing and him getting hated on. Myers Leonard, I'm sure, went through a similar thing. Uh, Jonathan Isaac, I'm sure, went through a similar thing for standing. Um, I, yeah. I'm, um, I, I 100% am behind the all NBA players for protesting and how they're doing it because it is so peaceful. Um, but I also want to say that I'm 100% supportive of Myers Leonard, Jonathan Isaac, or anybody who's, who does want to stand for the flag. You mentioned Myers Leonard, and for people who may not know, he's a white person in the NBA. So for him to kneel, it's obviously, it means a lot to him. For him to go out on national TV and kneel as a white person, and people may have the thought that, oh, it's only like a black person issue. Completely, that's completely wrong. It's way beyond that. It's a American issue. Um, but yeah, to see Jonathan... Not Jonathan Isaac, Myers Leonard, kneel down. Um, it's it's courageous just to come out there and stand up for what you believe in and um, do that in front of national television. It's great to see him, Jonathan Isaac, all of them who did that. Um, to really um, show change and do it when you know you have a platform is even better. Um, and you mentioned Colin Kaepernick, um, him doing it first. He got a ton of backlash when it wasn't even the Black Lives Matter. At that point, when Kaepernick was doing it, they thought it was still something that could be countered with all lives matter. Which, in the coming years since, we've seen that it's obviously not about all lives matter. It's about Black Lives Do Matter, mm-hmm. and that at this point, there's a systematic and systematic uh, change that needs to happen within America towards uh, black people. So um, Kaepernick, obviously he's the, uh, I guess the Trojan horse of this, um, of this move of athletes speaking out and being more than their athlete as that phrase has been coined. But yeah, just seeing these athletes take a kneel, um, stand, stand up for what they believe in front of everyone, even though there's obviously people in the country who don't agree. You may, they may even lose fans or supporters, but they obviously don't care what I do with them. Um, do you have anything else to talk about, kind of about the NBA, um, the standoff with that, um, sports, kind of anything along those lines? I have one more person I want to bring up. He's not in basketball, but he has been in recent news. So You could, uh, yeah, you could bring him up. Um, I just want to talk about Chadwick Boseman for a second. Um I was never, like, a big Marvel fan. Um, Like, six months ago, I got really into it. Um, But I remember when the Black Panther came out. um, And it was the first superhero movie where the main main superhero was an African-American. And it... I'm trying to think about how to word this. So many little kids wanted to be Chadwick Boseman. Didn't matter what color. Didn't matter what race, what age, they all wanted to be Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman played so many roles before that where he, you know, Jackie Robinson. Oh, frick, what were the other two? It was Jackie Robinson, the black man. He was a singer and a lawyer. I forget what their names are. Um, 
places and persons unknown he was in that he was in the kill hole he was in james brown and get up james brown singer. was james brown was the singer and then he was third good Mar- third third good marshall yeah. in the film um so chad i mean if you've seen any of these movies you know how much emotion he has and especially with those three movies where he played historical figures the pain and the hurt that he showed on the big screen was real and he played those parts so well and he brought so much awareness to this movement um so i just wanted to bring him up he unfortunately passed away about a week ago um to colon cancer it's really sad so yeah continuing that he obviously had a certain role that he played in hollywood mm-hmm. um which is much needed and i think it says a lot about him as a person to continue these roles or roles not talk about his cancer not even bring it up no one knew about it mm-hmm. just to continue the conversation and the the thoughts around these certain characters he played doing it unselfishly while he still had cancer i think is very not only motivating but it's something you don't see every day from from acting yeah. uh, especially something as watered down can be unauthentic as time at time i just wanted to bring him up because he's been so influential to you know preteens kids all those people, all those kids who are kind of big fans of movies, and were big fans of superheroes, so they saw him as Black Panther, and like, he just really influenced people to kind of do whatever they wanted. He was kind of a light for some people. Yeah, a hundred percent, and kind of like how he was the first Marvel main character, be a black person, um, kind of had the same effect when um, Moana came out. He was the first minority Disney princess. Yeah, same con- same kind of deal. Yeah, same concept where groundbreaking. Obviously, it's more than just the movie. It's obvious change in Hollywood and that there needs to be more, more everyone that people can look up in the screen and say, "Hey, they look like me." Hey, even though obviously superheroes are real, they don't need to be that. Not everything is just completely whitewashed mm-hmm. in Hollywood. I think I think that's all I got. Yeah, so thank you guys for listening to Speaking Out Loud. This is the first episode. As I said before, we're not the most educated people on this. We're just two college students giving our opinion on these uh, much-needed topics to be talked about. Um, a lot of times, these topics are thrown under the rug. It's an uncomfortable conversation to have with many people. So this is kind of just our platform to get it out, talk about how we think about these different topics and just really continue the discussion in America. Um, we will have an Instagram page where you can DM us about different show ideas, different, different thoughts or whatever. And if we ever misspeak or say something that's inactive or whatever, just try to edu- educate. The cancel culture is toxic and it's really just not needed. So I'd rather... People just try to learn and say, okay, it's okay to say I messed up. I, was, I wasn't I was sure what I was talking about. I should have phrased it this way. So really just, if we misspeak or anything, let us know. Um, thank you guys for listening and then speaking out loud. Thank you guys. We'll catch you next time.